What's going on, everybody? This is James Grandmaster Facts Voice, and this is another episode of the Facts Project. Today, special guest, Braxton Cosby from Star Child Comics. Thank you for being here, brother. Oh, man, thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure. Absolutely, man. Look, I appreciate everything that basically you've showed me so far. Um, now, for, for those of you that do not know, now, Star Child Comics, now, what I like to do is I like to, of course, incorporate myself in talking to a lot of basically uh, brand new comic and uh, comic publishers and comic authors who are out there starting their companies, especially through Kickstarter and indie comics as a whole. So Braxton, what got you into comics in the first place as, as, as wanting to do this as a full-time career? Well, what's crazy is that, uh, you know, I grew up uh, with comics, you know, everybody back in the eighties and things like that. And I was even telling somebody, I man, it was a show back in the day called Sunday funnies. And they mm-hmm. would literally sit down and just read. And it was always these little stop motion, you know, kind of comic things. And that was real, real cool. Uh, and then when I, as I went through school, they end up having like the, um, the uh, they didn't call it Justice League back there. They called it a uh, Super Friends. And yes. they had like that. And then like Spider-Man and his amazing friends. So superheroes, I grew up on them, you know. And of course I started grabbing the comics. And my favorite comics were like X-Men Fantastic Four, if you're talking about Marvel, and then when it comes down to DC, it was always Batman. That was my dude, you know? So kind of grew up with that. Um, Back, I think, in the sixth grade, I think I ended up making my own. I started a comic. It was like maybe six pages where I came up with some characters, and I was like, you know, this is cool. Just kind of drawing them out in black and white. Um, So then later on, I became a novelist in 2010, Mm. And I ended up writing over 16 books. We opened up our own publishing company, Cosby Media Productions, for books. We had like 30 authors with over 60 titles in ebook, paperback, and audiobook. And um, I was published at first by a couple of publishers. One ended up going under, and then I got the rights back. I, I bounced my book to another publisher, and they did a decent job with it. But then I started to kind of looking at, like, man, well, what are they doing that I can't do? You know? Mm-hmm. So that's why I ended up buying the rights back. I felt like it was just going to be bigger uh, eventually my own way. I could do the covers. I could do everything. I kind of got into the business, started becoming a, a scribe of it, you know, and, and learning how everything went with publishing. So um, once I ended up getting um, the Starcross Saga done, which was my young adult um, sci-fi series, I jumped into writing superhero uh, fiction. And that's where um, Keyshawn Dodds, who was one of the authors we bought early on, he had done the Menzuo series and uh, he had published them like in early 2000s. Like he had done like maybe the first three. And uh, when he came along, he was like, you know, he wanted to turn the rights over and see what we did with it. So we ended up rebranding it, you know, uh, new art, uh, logos, the whole nine yards, just trying to really rebuild it. And uh, another good friend of mine had written uh, another superhero series we have called Majesties of Canaan, which is like seven uh, military people who come up to this uh, cave and meet this angel who gives them uh, superpowers with this uh, material called Oromite. You know, one guy gets infused to his arm, a, a girl has super speed, this other one kind of shoots uh, Chinese stars. And uh, it was just real, real cool. So I was like, man, I'm missing out. Like, I need to jump in this, you know? Right. So I ended up, uh, came up with this crazy idea. Uh, with superheroes that were real, real uh, broken people with a lot of flaws. I wanted to make them as flawed as I could. Uh, And then just saying, hey, you know, what if one day people with issues like all of us uh, got superpowers? What would they what would they do? What would Mm -hmm. would that look like? 
And that's really the premise of the cape. And I ended up kind of mixing reality TV with it. So it was real wild. And, uh, you know, the book got a lot of uh, love, you know, and I've been a couple of awards with it. And I came out with a sequel, Overdrive, which was even crazier. And then uh, just last year, we had, well, we had a, a couple of years ago, we had bought a couple of other authors in uh, with their superhero novels, Daniel Payton with Bark. Uh, he had a trilogy he, re- he wrote. And then we had um, Lauren St. John with Metatron. And he ended up, he's up to four books now. So we were sitting around like, you know what? We, we should jump in this comic thing. What do you guys think? You know, maybe we'll get more readers because I was at these conventions and selling the books and doing pretty good, but we were missing out. There was mm-hmm. a lot of people who came up with kids and the kids would be like, oh, this is just a book. Is it a graphic novel? Or is it a book? You know, I'm like, no, this is a chapter book. You got to read it. You know, and they were like, oh, right. you know, they want, and even the parents wanted to buy it. I said, you want me to buy it for you? I get it. And they were like, no. So I'm like, man, you know, we got to capitalize on this. So um, we came up with the idea for the comics and we really wanted to use both of the uh, the mediums to sell each other. You know, so at the end of the comic book, you'll see, uh, it'll say like, catch up with the origin story of the cape, catch up with the origin story of Menzuo, Metatron, of Bark, and it's like a QR code. So if you scan it, you'll go right to our website and you'll be able to pick up those books. Uh, and then the same thing with the novels, the novels will have pictures of the comics. So we didn't want to retell the story. It was just an extension. So the comics are part of the lore of the superhero series that we've already written, you know? And I think that's what makes us different from a lot of indie publishers is that they may, you know, comics, they may just have comics or they may just have novels, but really nobody's doing the novels and the comics. You know, mm. some people have graphic novels, but we've got these, you know, 50,000, 80,000 word novels, which is a lot of room to write and really right. give you a deep backdrop of uh, where these characters started from and their, their story and their story arcs as they have moved on. Um, so each one of these series, you have no less than three novels, you know, and all of a sudden you got this comic. So now you can get the visual representation of what we're all trying to build, you know. So now you can see these crazy um, sketches and drawings that these amazing artists have done. <clears throat> and that way people can actually see where, where we were going, where, where it was in our head, because we've designed everything from the ground up. All the characters, yes. We didn't draw them because, you know, we saved that for people who were much more talented. But as far as the designs and the costumes and the superpowers, all that came from the authors. And we were sitting around, we said, you know, how are we going to get this funded? And I started doing research, how much it would cost to get a comic made. Like, we got to do a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so uh, a lot of people kind of judge us like, well, you guys are going to come out with four different novels. Um, very different, not like just one, like, you know, issue one, two and three in the same book. I right. said, no, this is what we're building. This is what we've done. We've come up with, uh, with Cosby Media Productions. I was very um, intentional about coming up with our own world. So, you know, there's the DCEU, there's the uh, M- MCU, and we came up with uh, the CMPDSU, Cosby Media Productions Dedicated Superhero Universe. So out of all the novels we have, this is a dedicated superhero universe where or as you read the novels, you'll see references of all the other characters. We're all in the same world, you know, a shared universe. And um, so now we got these comics coming out and like, we're just thrilled, you know? We even ended up writing the first book of a a series called Infinity Seven, which Mm -hmm. is basically like our Avengers, you know? So uh, that ended up being a team up with me, uh, Kaio Champion who wrote Majesties and Keyshawn Dodds with Manzuo. We started off at book one in Infinity Seven, where you got 14 superheroes 
continuing their story where they finally get together and, and do a team team up. And then uh, part two, we're kind of working on the uh, outline now. That'll be out before the end of the year. And then books three and four will incorporate some of the rest of the authors that we have with their superhero series. So we're just excited because, you know, we got it funded. That's where it started from. Mm -hmm. uh, ended up uh, getting some fantastic uh, artists right down here with us in Atlanta with Fantasy Art Studios. They kind of started the ball rolling, working on Bark. And then before you know it, once we opened up... Um, social media i just started getting hit by a whole bunch of artists you know like hey i could i like what you're doing can i do that right. you know, can you can i do a commission for you can i do this and that and i started saying hey sh shoot me some of your sketches let me see what you got what's your rates and mm -hmm. before you know it we ended up having like a team of like um four different artists working on our stuff you know uh so you know menzuo and metatron are done by um one art one artist marcelo salazar uh i also have uh bruno abadaz who's who did the cape for me yeah and uh, fantasy art studios did bark so i became a, a overnight kind of became this this indie company that really can compete because i feel really great about the comics we put out they're not junk <laughs> they have good stories because we're all natural storytellers mm -hmm. and the art the art to me is just uh, way above our expectations of what i thought these were going to even look like so I'm, I'm happy i'm excited Good. Now, now, did you um did you find any barriers uh, jumping in from basically doing a uh, full full on chapter novels mm -hmm. in, in 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 going into comics? Of course, there's a different ball game. Of course, with the illustrations yeah. and everything like that. So you're pretty much writing out the panels, mm -hmm. as far as well as the writing. So you're take mm -hmm. are you taking from the novels themselves, or you were you creating brand new stories? This is brand new. Cape Hellfire is a continuation. It basically picks up after Infinity 7, book one, mm -hmm. uh, with Paladin trying to find out what happened to Blur, you know? So we just moved on. Obviously, when you get into something, you're taking it serious, it's important to educate yourself. So mm -hmm. I read a couple of books um, on how this whole thing works because, you know, at the end of the day, I, I write screenplays, I'm a novelist, and I'm also now a comic uh, writer. And it's all about act one, act two, act three. Mm -hmm. It's a three arcs, three act structure, every one of these stories. Um, but there's rules to each one. When you're in novels, you can play around. You can stretch that three act structure out as far as you want. You know, right. uh, in a, a, a script for screenplays, you got to be a little more intentional. Every scene counts. Everything that you introduce has to have meaning, even if it comes up later on. You don't just say, yeah, somebody's going to go give a speech at some symposium. And that doesn't mean anything. Well, what was he going to say at the speech? You know, what, what was that about? How was that important? You need to be able to put all that information in so that the viewers are constantly engaged. Like, okay, they put that there for a reason. Hopefully I see that later. And that way you deliver that's called the payoff, you know? Um, and when you get to comics, now it's so much more um, intentional because it's smaller. You know, our comics are 22 mm -hmm. pages and you got to squeeze act one, act two, act three into 22 pages, which right. is crazy because... You maybe have between four to seven panels each page. Yeah. And now you've got to figure out, okay, top left, third of the page is panel one. You know, top middle, third of the page, panel two, panel three. Do I run that across this? Or just I do two panels long ways? You know, what kind of shots am I doing in here? You become a director. You're not just a writer. You know, so mm -hmm. you got to do top down, ground up, over the shoulder, wide, short, middle. I mean, it's crazy. So it was a lot of education. Like I said, I read those books and I just got expired. I was like, man, this is going to be amazing because it's a challenge, you know, as mm -hmm. a writer, I've, I've written novels as long as 105,000 words, you know, I've written screenplays 
uh, 120 pages, you know, two hour movie. Now I'm like 22 pages. This is going to be crazy, you know? And so um, it was a great challenge. And <clears throat> what was really amazing is being a creative, the minute you put all this to paper and you send it off, and then the artist comes back with the interpretation of what you're really trying to say in those panels, mm -hmm. it's like it's like giving birth, man. That's all I can explain. It's like you can't believe that how this stuff comes together, you know? And that's right, just right. the pencils. When you see the pencils, it's like, yes, that's exactly what I was talking about, <laughs> right. you know? And then it just comes together. It's amazing. In in some instances, like uh, I, I can I can imagine you being somebody who has created novels uh, before you even started comics. When you're creating dialogue for a comic, it's hard when you're doing like action sequences because you want to fill every a little bit more dialogue in there, and you gotta like pull back. Yeah, and be like, you know what? This is an action scene. Probably yeah. not a lot of talking going on. Right. Right. I need to be a little bit more reserved. I probably put a lot more into the book as far as the graphic novel because I'm trying to have the audience visualize everything, right. but I don't have to do that here because they can actually see it. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Uh, I think they say, you know, show show is better than tell, you know, show not tell. Mm -hmm. uh, that works out really, really good in comics. <clears throat> but I think there's a strategy to a successful comic in the storytelling. So um, as a writer, I'm always, what's the story first? You know, I don't mm -hmm. care. I'm looking at TV shows, looking at movies. I want the story first. You know, you can't really just gloss me over with a bunch of special effects. I love that stuff. I'm, I'm, sci I'm a science uh, fiction guy first. I kind of figured when that. I get, when I get past that, I got to see what the story is. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So that's how you're going to keep me coming back. Is I get, and uh, a lot of where we're going now in writing, which is really exciting, is it's character driven. Mm. Any show you look at, yeah, you know, it's got a great backdrop. I see it, but now it's character driven and things are becoming more dramatic. You know, even in some of the comedies you want are more like dramedies, you know, there has to be that drama. There has to be that conflict. There has to be that thing that that character is going from point A to point B and along the journey, they're trying to do something and up, oh, there's a shortfall. That didn't work, reroute, try something else, go up, well, up, up, shortfall. That didn't work, reroute, go up. And that's what keeps you looking, you know? So when you're in these panels and you're, when you're on these pages and you're working in these panels, you're like, okay, I know I want six panels on this page, but I need to control the reader's eye. I'm mm -hmm. moving them from left to right, left to right. If I got something really big and I got something important, that's going to be my biggest panel. You know what I mean? So I might go top, uh, top third for the, for the first three, bottom third, but in that, that middle two thirds is going to be this huge, beautiful panel that kind of draws your eye and then you go, oh, that was great. Oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, and then you come back down the page again, you know? And then sometimes I'm thinking I'm at the, I got this reveal coming up mm -hmm. and I'm going to close out one page in the bottom right with one panel where the character might just open the door. And then the next page, boom, I might hit you with something big, you know, like, whoa, that's what's going on. You know, so um, it, it becomes a great challenge. It's exhilarating. And uh, it's something that I really just, it's kind of an obsession of mine. I can't just wait to write the next comic now. You know, I got to slow yeah. myself down, you know, but I've got 16 novels to work with. Uh, where we are now is where like um, hybrid publishing is, um, you know, we've got Cosmeter Productions. Right. Our, our comic imprint is Star Child. You know, so that's what we do. Right. And, um, <clears throat> and I tell authors, and I'm like, hey, man, you know, comes down. We just got to get it funded. We have artists. We have colorists. We have lettering. We have all of that. If you have a novel 
that you want to see a comic story that extends from that, just start doing it, you know? And I right. gave them the, I gave them the, uh, the resources that I've used to learn about it. And, um, and I'll tell you, they all say the same thing. This is just exciting. As writers, we're always looking for that new thing that challenges us. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I feel like we've been successful with doing it. So I'm just thrilled. You know, they come in, the, the comics come in the boxes and it's like, oh my God, here they are. You know, this is great. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to keep pushing it. And it's, hopefully the fans love it too. Definitely. Now, <laughs> for any other new new publishers that are basically out there, what, what could you basically say to influence them that self-publishing is a lot better than major distribution? For every author, uh, author who I run into, any writer, I tell them that they should self-publish first because you need to learn the business. You need to learn how to put yourself out there. I don't care who you are. Um, if you go to any publisher now, literary agent, the first now they're asking for social media. Mm -hmm. That wasn't 10 years ago when I was trying to get published. That wasn't in the criteria. Now when you put together your query letter, they're saying, what's your social media presence look like? Because mm, they know that, that you're not, they're not going to just, a, a big publisher, I don't care how big they are, they got a reading list, they're going to send your book out, but they want to know, what are you going to do? You know, do you have some skin in the game? Right. So they ask you for your social media. And if you don't have a social media presence, that they might not pick you up. They don't care how good your writing is because they need you to be doing the work as well, you know? Um, so they don't want to just be the only ones doing all the heavy lifting. You've got to push you. So I tell people doing the indie scene, self-publishing, makes you learn, <clears throat> you write, you put it out, people give you reviews, you learn what people like, what they don't like, you know, there's the flow of the story that maybe you need to go back and change your style, your voice needs to be there. Um, and so you'll get that first. And then once you've kind of got your feet wet, then you might want to try to pick up an agent for a, a bigger pub, you know, for traditional publishing. Definitely. Now, how, how have you uh, gone about this from basically when you when you basically moved from from novels to comics, when it was uh when it was influenced on you to basically uh, start from the ground up and basically create these characters off of the novels that you've already been writing so far, mm -hmm. how did you depict that basically maybe the cape or Menzoa was going to be the first ones? Uh, these you know we've got a we we've got like I say we have about maybe six superhero stories. But mm -hmm. we've got, um, we started off with four of those stories. <clears throat> and it was really just a toss, like, hey, you know, I'm going in. Y'all want to do this? <laughs> you know, and then Keyshawn was like, yeah, I'm in. And then Lawrence was, he was in. And Dan was in, too, you know. So we just kind of started there. Uh, some of the other authors weren't really ready to, to go on this endeavor yet, you know. And sure. so we just said we'd try it out. You know, what do we have to lose? If it didn't work on the Kickstarter, then, you know, we have to figure out. if. But I, I knew for me. I was going to do it because I just started just really seeing the vision because uh, I was at those conventions. I know what people wanted. I was meeting indie uh, fellow indie comic publishers. You know, I was seeing how they were moving uh, books and how they were having people come back. And I was like, we can do this, you know? So if mm -hmm. y'all don't do it, if this Kickstarter fails, I'm still going to do it because I, I want to get these characters out. I want to, I want people to see the characters live and in color, you know, not just in my head anymore, you know? And so um, I felt like we had, solid stories across the board mm -hmm. and like i said by the grace of god we were funded so now i think what makes us different is that you know we have four first issues that we're going to be offering people at these conventions now so they're going to come to the table we're going to have you know <clears throat> i have been duo you know mm -hmm. and um and i have um that wraparound cover is crazy isn't it yeah man 
I mean, that, that is really crazy. Um, and then so we'll have like all four of the Menzuo books when people mm. come, you know? There you so go. Like, if you want if you want the Menzuo series, you're right there. The whole complete thing is gonna be available to you, you know? And um, you'll be able to pick that up and, and, and just dive right into his world, you know, that Keyshawn's created. And it'll be the same thing with the Cape, you know? We'll have the Cape there mm -hmm. at the convention. And then you'll have books one, two, and three of the Cape with uh, the original book. And then there was Overdrive. Mm. And then uh, Infinity Seven, which is pretty much an extension of this, you know? So you're already like basically introducing the comic reader to the lore. Absolutely. Beforehand, they're more Absolutely. so like basically if, if I'm going to a Comic-Con and I walk up to your booth and I'm just there literally for the comics, they have no idea that you basically have not necessarily even graphic novels, but you have lore based, yep. uh, lore based novels already incorporated with the comics that you're you're going to be selling. Yep. Damn. So vision, see. So <laughs> was was there a signature moment? Now, now I've talked to a few indie creators that uh, mm -hmm. some some have said 2018 when Black Panther came out. You know, a lot of people had a a need for more black driven comics to come out, whether it was major publishing or indie. Was there a definitive moment for you guys when when you still when you when you basically got into your your whole mind that yeah I'm going for comics full on out right now aside yeah. from aside from novels the novels are still happening but I'm I'm going to do comics as well. Well, like I said, it was last year when we really I mean we I remember the day we were on a uh, Zoom call mm. and we were all four of us as the authors were like, can we really do this? You know, and everybody was like, well look I I've been doing a little research it's like you do this it's you got to do you got to get this presence you got to get this and that. And we learned along the way because we ended up running a 60 day Kickstarter, which is odd, but we knew we needed to have a learning curve. We had to figure some stuff out. We could change some things along the way, doing recruiting, getting people to come to the pages. So we were changing stuff. Uh, I met some people who taught me how to get the banners up there the right way for all the products and the rewards and stuff. So we needed those 60 days to really, really learn how to make the Kickstarter uh, successful. And so as we were on the call that day, I was kind of, I mean, I was just getting this feeling like, you know what? this is going to be big. This is good. Mm -hmm. This is really good, you know? And I went ahead and got um, Star Child Comics Incorporated and, uh, and, and got, got the EIN number and everything going. So I knew for me, the foot was on the gas and I wasn't going to pull back. You know, mm -hmm. I was going to see this thing through one way or another, big, steal a borrow. I wanted to get this comic out because um, I just felt like when people come to the table to, to get the cape, it's always, it was always a trick. It was like, they come and say, oh, well, you know, which book do I start with? I said, well, they would always see this one. So the art would yeah. pull them in, you know? And they'll go, oh, man, these guys are cool. Well, let me get, is this book one or two? I said, oh, it's book two. I said, oh, well, I got to get both of them now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so, so that was the draw, you know? So I was in my mind, I'm like, the art, man, the art is bringing people in. Like, you know, if we can do the comics now, we got a whole new wing of uh readers you know if people really like the art because obviously they would dig in the costumes and the look of the characters mm -hmm. so that wasn't a problem so now if we can actually tell a story with this i think we got a shot you know so so far you know we've got a, a pretty decent following now on social media people give us love when we you know we show little panels and clips of and some of the artwork that we're working on and and they're loving it you know so um i think that once we hit that i got the first comic-con uh on the board coming up Friday, 
Oh, was okay. it Atlanta Comic Con? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was crazy. I was supposed to be Atlanta Comic Con in um, it was supposed to be in July, mm-hmm. but they actually teamed up with Fandemic, mm-hmm. which is really crazy because that's like I mean they've got a whole bunch of um guests coming, you know. And so now I'm really really excited. I'm like, man, you've taken Atlanta Comic Con, which was you know we finally got that hit about two years in a row. Um, it's about I think this is it's either the third I think this is the third year Atlanta Comic Con. It's finally happy we got that. Um, even with the pandemic, I went, and then um, now we're teaming up with pandemic with pandemic, which has been around for a while. Yeah. Um, and so now this combined is going to be incredible, you know. And I'm in. The, I'm doing two panels there as well. Mm. Two panel discussions. Uh, I did last year. I think I did the anatomy of a villain. Where I was mm-hmm. talking about breaking down villains of stories and the, the different uh, thirteen different archetypes of villains that you have. And then so this year. I'm doing two panels. One is taking a comp from a comic to a novel. What's mm. the transition like? Right. Challenges. And then I'm also, the next one is, uh, you know, the power of the page, breaking down these panels and how you move and point of views and all of that, you know? So I was like, hey, I'm just basically just talking about my journey, you know? So, uh, once you, be, you know, they say, you talk about what you're an expert in. And I'm not right. saying I'm an expert in the comic, but I know I've been I learned and I'm just sharing the knowledge that I have and what I learned, you know, so it should be a lot of fun. Now for Atlanta being the Mecca that it is, what is the comic scene like? Oh, it's big, man. It, it is, it is real. Again, you know, you never know until you dive into this stuff and how mm-hmm. serious it is, but it's some serious uh, comic fans because I've been going to the, uh, I've been going to a comic convention. Well, I've been going to conventions for a while. Um, and uh, obviously, you know, we're the hub for um, uh, like MomoCon is mm-hmm. big down here and uh, DragonCon. I mean, you're talking yeah. about 100,000 100, people coming through yep. on DragonCon. So there's a lot of fans of just conventions. So when Atlanta Comic Con finally kicked off, I was excited because I think the first year they had I think, like 15,000 come through. And then the next year was like 20,000. And now with, with pandemic, I don't know what they're going to anticipate the whole weekend. It's probably going to be insane. But so as I went, as I walk around the conventions, you know, I'm kind of meeting people. I'm seeing a lot of fandom with comics. You know, they have people who are selling old school comics. I still got some old school ones here that I don't want to let go, you know, from the 80s with X-Men. And um, there's just there's a lot of indie comic uh, publishers out there that are doing some fantastic work. And I pick their stuff up man. I support them. You know, I look at it. And um, so I'm excited because I, I know that people who came to the table before for just the books, now they're going to see this new thing. and like, oh, man, you know what you're mm-hmm. working on? Hopefully we're just going to be moving them left and right with packages, you know, get the book, you know, get the books, you get the comic for free kind of a thing, you know? Right. So it, if I was to choose um, between the books or the comic book, which uh, if you could describe to me, what was probably the biggest fan reaction you've seen from one of your books? You know, one, one of the coolest things I've had is I've gone to a couple of uh, conventions in uh, Tennessee. Mm. It was Fanboy um, and Con Nuga. And it's it was insane when for the first, it was like a moment where somebody came back. The first time I was like, I knew you were here. I was coming back. Did you end up writing the second cape yet? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm here. You know, like that was like, whoa, like mm-hmm. they really dug the first one. And they were hoping that I had the second one the next year, you know? So then I was like, man, out of pressure's on. Like every year you got to come out with something new because people are looking for you if they like what they bought yeah. the first time, you know? So now when they come and they see the Cape Hellfire, you know, I just think it's going to be just ridiculous how much, the, you know, we're going to really continue to build that fan base. Mm. So 
if you could do it, also describe to me um how big of sci-fi played as a part of like how your your writing is is performed yeah i mean i'm a sci-fi writer first um i you know i grew up my first science fiction book i ever read was fahrenheit 451 okay you know, burning, burning books which was crazy you know the whole mm-hmm. dystopian kind of thing and from there i just kind of went with it because i think science fiction to me uh was like the last safe genre to write from where you didn't really have to get in you know you're dealing with aliens and humans so nobody really has time for like racism and uh you know sexism and all those other things it's really just about like factions and you know aliens and humans and humanoids and all these other groups just really vying for uh you know territories or whatever the story arc is so i felt like it was pure storytelling because we didn't have to get involved with any of that other nonsense you know right so i wrote i ended up writing the star cross saga books one two and three had a spinoff of that with the bounty hunter who I introduced in the third book so he has his own novel now so um i've written a screenplay uh, an original screenplay with science fiction and as i've developed as a writer like i say that drama component became more important now so mm-hmm. a lot of my writing is uh, you know, you always put two genres together. It's like a, this is a drama science fiction story, you know, mm-hmm. rather than before I would have been more a science fiction all out. Now it's like, I'm going to give you all that drama and the science fiction is the backdrop. So you're going to get all the world building, you're going to get all the cool technology, you're going to get that jargon. But if I, if I do this correctly, I'm going to wrap you up in the lives of the character and the right. drama of their struggle of complications, you know, versus success. Bet. Now, amongst your team of authors that you that you have at your stable, basically with Star Child Comics, how do you choose your authors? Uh, you know, people just have to have a good story to tell. You know, mm-hmm. um, I've had people, a couple of people come up and approach me like, hey, you know, how do I get started? How can I get on board? And I tell them, you got to send me a synopsis um, and you got to you got to have a vision of where this is going, you know, mm-hmm. because all of what we published, even when we were just doing Cosmedia Productions, was about taking stories that we felt eventually can be transcribed into the big screen, whether it's on TV or in film. So if I don't see that, if Mm -hmm. I just think you're just writing a story that's just gonna be ho-hum, I'm not interested. But if I see the scope and I think the vision is there, that's what we partner with, you know? So like I said, we already had these guys already had written their stuff that we had already taken on. So it was really just them kind of jumping in with us to get this done, you know? Um, I'm doing something very exciting this year is that I had already written a book. Uh, it was a dystopian novel that I have. I completed it last year. And I, I'll tell you this story was, this is really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. I had this guy come aboard and he said, um, I got a comic already done. Can I send it to you? I'm like, okay, send it. It was zombies. It was great. It looked great. Um, and he sent it to me and then I said, okay, I'll send you a contract. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll basically put this together. We'll get it out for you. And then he flipped on me. When I got, when I sent him the contract, now he knew all the terms. I sent him the email, say, hey, this is what we're going to offer, this, blah, blah, blah. He was fine. Then he came back and flipped on me. And he said, well, I need about X amount of dollars mm. just for you to sign my comment. And then I need royalties on top of that. And I said, you know, you're charging five times as much as it's going to cost me to make this comment. Mm. And I'm going to give you royalties too. I said, see, the one thing you can't do is try a creative because right. we're just going to make it anyway. 
Right. You know, so but I had already fallen in love with like zombies at this point. I wanted a zombie comic for our company, you know. Yeah. So I went back and I looked and I said, wait a minute, I'm not going to drop this dystopian series because I have my own zombies I'd already put in this novel. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to go ahead and write my own comic based on that world, too. You know, so that's where the broken series came from. So broken book one is going to be the novel. Broken book two is going to be the next story that branches off of that. And then once, and they're going to drop the same day this year, mm. you know? So that's going to be something that people are going to come and be like, well, which one do I get? So you got to get both because this is a continuing story. You don't want to miss this because then I'll go back and do book three in the novel form, or I may do book three in the comic and then go back book four. You know what I mean? Mm. So, uh, so I'm really like, I was like, when that guy did that, I thought that was just like God's way of talking to me. Like, let him go about his business and you just write this. And I got to be honest. The, I just got all two 20 page, 22 pages are done in the pencils and ink yeah. and they blow away what this guy was trying to charge me for his. Hmm. Now, now, now I got to ask, did that gentleman end up releasing that, releasing that book? Who knows? I don't know where he is and I really don't care. <laughs> <You know? laughs> because again, you know, the problem is, you know, everybody can put out artwork and I think mm -hmm. he did his own art and the art was, if I'm, if I'm rated and I'm not trying to be funny, I'm not trying to throw shade. His artwork was probably about a six or seven, but it was it was decent for what it was. It was a, a mm -hmm. zombie, like it looked really original and everything. The guy who I got working on mine, Ron, he's about a nine right now. And this is just pencils and ink. I got mm -hmm. another colorist, the, co the guy who did coloring, uh, Bruno, who did coloring for um, the cape, is going to do the coloring and the lettering for this. Mm -hmm. So I already know that, you know, the story act structure, act one, act two, act three, that I wrote in here was already very good because it is stemmed off of what I'd already written in the novel. So now I'm just, I'm mixing my writing with their talent. I mean, I'm already past that guy, you know, beyond. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, take that comic and have fun with it. But I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody's gonna give him the money he was asking for. Right, right. So in terms of your company, how do you feel about the current, uh, the current age of comic book adaptations, the boom of it that's been pretty much been happening in the past four years? Yeah, um, I'm a little disappointed overall, to be mm -hmm. honest. Um, I look at the big the big companies that have had the money and the resources to 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 tell their stories, and I just feel like, man, you got like you know you got seven thousand characters, and we're just sitting on these ten or twenty. Like you don't want to move any one time. <laughs> you don't want to take a chance. You got money. You ain't got money to burn. You know what I mean? If it fails, oh what? You know um maybe go get a streaming service other than yourself to make it you know if you really if you really that scared you know netflix has money they'll boom you know anything you know as long as anything is gonna work um so i'm a little disappointed that we've stayed in this slow story uh element you know i think there's just so many more stories like i mean when you have that many characters you can just go you can just run and i love when marvel took a chance honestly with uh guardians of the galaxy because not a lot of people knew that story yeah. And it was and it became one of my favorites. You know, you got science, you got science fiction mixed with this whole superhero element is, is, is dope, you know. Um, so the stories that they've taken the risk on have done well. And then they but they still keep wanting to rehash. And, you know, oh, yeah, well, Captain America died. But we think my brain him back. Well, Iron Man died. We think my brain. Why? Move on, man. You guys have so many more mm -hmm. stories to tell. And I think that's why. I was the most shocked with the love we were getting as an indie publisher, because people were like, you know, messaging me like, hey, you know, 
love what you're doing. And I'm like, well, thanks yeah. for the love, man. We really appreciate it. And they're like, no, seriously, I'm always looking for new stuff. Like yeah. they're tired of seeing the ninth Spider-Man and the eighth Batman. Like people are really, you know, yeah, they're, make, they're making money, but people are ready for something else, you know? And I think that they can do better. They've got the money for the writers, you know, they've got the money for the budget, you know, in order to, to build the world and have this, the, the scope of everything covered. Uh, and they just, they're just settling, you know? So in my mind, um, I feel good because we're in a good space. You know, we, people are really starting to uh, um, gravitate towards the indie scene and a lot of visibility is coming with that. So uh, since we are writers, you come and you like what, you, what we have, and you want to pick it up, we could easily go ahead and put together a treatment and a screenplay and get, get it going, you know, as far as pitching it. So uh, sure. just ready. Now, do you feel like it's uh it's too much too soon to introduce a, a plethora of characters as opposed to having one, uh, one singular character carry on a series? No, um, because, you know, a lot of what we have, like Menzuo is, he's he's a soloist, but he's got like some other, cause he's, some, he's from an, another planet. So he's got some other partners with him. Um, I don't think that the, that the overall landscape is too busy because mm -hmm. um, most of our characters really have one soul, uh, one goal that's driving them. So it's almost, even though it's multiple people, it's almost like one character, you know? Right, right. And, and because they're interacting and playing off of each other, you're really just getting this singular unit of a character. It's not like some ancillary characters that are just kind of floating around. Like they all have a same, a similar goal. And the way that they interact and play off of each other makes them almost appear as just one person. So it's easier for the, for the fan base to follow it, you know, and you can just pick out that one person that you identify and you root for. But at the end of the day, they still have the same goal. Because again, in writing, in, in act one, act two, act three structure, I've got to just get that character from the beginning is my normal and my end is my new normal, you know? And if I, mm -hmm. if, if the characters have been successful, he may have been down and out and he may be up on top now, you know what I mean? Or he may have been up on top, but he was filled with a lot of things that made him a shallow character. And if he goes through this journey and I go with him, I start to see him change and adapt. And now he becomes this other character at the end well, maybe he doesn't have as much success, but he's a better person for it. You know, so as long as I can just get that journey going, I think those that our comics have done that, where we uh, our novels, where we, I mean, you're going to be so engrossed with the growth of these characters and the changes and the challenges and the complication that when they get to the end of that book, you're ready for the next one. You're ready for the next mm -hmm. one. And then when you get to the end of the cape, like I, I know I, I sent you a couple of copies, um, you know, and the cape, it starts off with that, that top locator box. It says, following the events of infinity seven. seven yep so we're trying to tell you right now look <laughs> if you really are lost infinity seven is where you go mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean yep. and at the end of it because it kind of lives on a, a cliffhanger it says at the end to be continued because we're going you know so my hope is that people just think that the art and the story is so dope like now i have to go and read or i have to know how this all started you know and right. the challenge in writing these comics is not just about I'm just starting from here and I'm just going. I'm trying to weave in that first act enough information for the reader so that as they're reading it, they're getting, you know, it's um, exposition, but done in a way that I'm filling your mind with a lot of the, 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 um, the breadcrumbs about where the story started from, the foundation, 
But now here we are when we get into act two, we've made the decision to go on the journey the characters have by the, by the beginning of act two, and now they're going. You know, So act one was all the information I can give you, the vital information in those one to five pages max, and now six to 17, I'm giving you all the journey. And then uh, 18, 19, we're at the climax, 20, 21, 22, I'm giving you the annulment, which is the new normal of where we are. You know, So uh, that's how it's gotta be. And if we do that successfully, then people are gonna dig it. Now, do you find it, um... Do you find it easy as as a writer? Do you find intersectionality uh, available when you're writing out your characters? You may have a main character for this story, but do you see yourself writing a side character or maybe somebody that could become a fan favorite in your novels? Yeah, absolutely. It's a crazy idea in uh, in Infinity Seven. So imagine that, and this was a crazy way we wrote the book, is that. My fellow authors, uh, Keyshawn and Kyle, allowed me to come up. We, we got on the phone, we talked about ideas and things and bringing this whole story together. And they, they allowed me graciously to do the outline. Mm. And then I delivered it to them and everybody was like, oh, this is fire, this is ridiculous. Yeah, you know, and I incorporated everybody's feedback. And then we just took a chapter. I took one, somebody took two, somebody took three. Then we took four and five and six. So we each kind of did them that way. And then we would finish the uh, pages. We'd send them to somebody and then, okay, you're on five. When you write five, we're gonna read them like the continuities there okay who's on six now start you know but we did it as we went along to make sure that we had delivered and our voice there is no voice difference when you read each chapter you know mm. you would really think one person wrote the whole thing but it's actually three different authors collaborating wow. uh and we had to do that because we got 14 superheroes to juggle around you know i don't know kyle's majesty's characters as much as he may know my cape characters as much as anybody might know menzuo and his folks so even though we did write chapters with those characters, we had to kick it back and say, hey, would Menzuo talk like this? You know, what's his mm-hmm. vibe? Well, he would probably do something like that. And we go back and we'd fix it, you know? So uh, so the voice would be the same. And um, all of that, um, when I ended up writing a couple of characters who appear in Infinity 7, mm-hmm. like, you know, as a, as a creative, you're like thinking my next comic now, my next comic, my next comic series, not even just the cape, you know, because I'm, by the end of this year, I would have two comics under my belt, which would be right. the Broken series and Cape. I'm already got this young little group, kind of like the Teen Titans kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. And they were characters that I introduced in Infinity Seven. Mm. And it's a nice little twist of how I bring those characters around. So I'm already, already working now. I'm like, all right, we just got through with Broken. I'm about to start writing on this next one, <laughs> this next group. You know, I've already got my notes in my phone, you know? So okay. yeah, so in my mind, um, he was a cool little character, probably not any, you know, somebody people just might gloss over, but when he comes out with his comic and his other young folks with him, I think it's going to be just fire, you know? So, yeah. So, um, I like to see the next level of the characters, you know, uh, blur. Now that you see her used to Mm -hmm. be a character in the first Cape called cheetah girl, you know? And so she has evolved already. She's got the whole new costume, the whole vibe going you know um paladin's uh s4 suit now really used to just only be an s3 you know he had strength Mm. stealth and speed now he's up to four which is basically an autonomic system where anything he thinks of the suit just kind of changes you know in in an instant so uh the automaticity is the other uh s in there so now we're like okay next comic I want to see some new costumes, <laughs> you know, so, so Thief will probably evolve a little bit, you know, so this is where it just gets exciting because you can just keep playing with this stuff. 
and people can kind of say, well, I like, you know, his uh, uh, first issue costume better than the second issue, you know, so right. we'll get that dialogue going, you know, just keep it authentic to the superhero world that I, I know that I fell in love with. And I'm hoping that people do the same with our stuff. Definitely. So what does the, the rest of 2022 look for you for, for Star Child Comics? Yeah, well, we are right now, like I said, we'll have the four issues out um, by the end of this month. Mm-hmm. We'll fulfill the Kickstarter people who support us. A lot of love to them. We had uh, close to 100 backers who got us over the hump. So we're going to give them their comics. Um, and then some even we had novel packages, too, so they'll get their novels as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle is already starting um, work on his uh, Majesty's not, uh, comic. So I think last time I talked to him, I think he was on page like 17. So he was almost out of act two, almost okay. finished. And when we already, we already have a, um, an artist who's going to partner with him on his comic. So my thing is by the end of the year, uh, broken comic will be out probably in June because it's mm-hmm. pretty much inks are done. Um, and then majesties will be out before the end of the year. So this year as, a, as an indie publisher, we will have four distinct uh, first edition comics, which is just huge. It's unheard of. Like nobody mm-hmm. does that everybody's like you know uh, issue one two and three of just this and here we are we're gonna have everything you know so i think the vision that seemed real grandiose is actually becoming a reality so i'm really excited because it's just going to help us move the books and bring people into our world and then uh next year just be the evolution will be on the next capes the next menzuos the next barks and metatrons and then uh, like i say we'll have some of those little spinoff comics and i'll even go back to my sixth grade year Mm bring out those characters finally you know with their own comics so i'm i'm just thrilled man it's gonna be crazy that's what's up man well hey braxton i appreciate you doing this with me this was excellent i I can't wait to see the rest of the projects coming out this year because usually usually within the indie world like i get it sometimes it's a marathon you might see an issue or two in the first year and then you might see another issue or two second year third year you might not get a full volume until right. maybe like three, four years down the line. Right. So right. the fact that you're able to pump them out so quickly, yeah, is only a testament to the work that you guys are putting in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And the artists, the artists have been great, man. They've been, they really work with us. We haven't had any pages that game came to us and was like, oh man, now this isn't gonna work. You know, normally there's a couple of tweaks here and there, you know, but that's normal. But mm-hmm. those pages have been have uh, exceeded our expectations. So we just we kudos to the artists because I feel like we. We don't just have comic artists, we have artists. So these people put together art. Like well, they, they really try to make a panel just look amazing, you know? And then the whole page is just really off the charts. So I can't wait to, when people get their hands on them and they're able to give us feedback and let us know what they think. Definitely. Is there anybody on your team that, that, that you basically wanted to shout out for the podcast? Yeah, uh, I'm gonna give uh, all my artists shout outs. Fantasy Art Studios, uh, Raymond Sanders over there, uh, Clement Romaine, uh, they, they're helping us out with the bark stuff. I'm definitely going to give Rom Silva, uh, who's working on the um, Broken series right now, personally with me. He's just been amazing. Bruno Abidaz did um, the cape. You know, definitely, like, Bruno is the man. I love what he did with the cape. I can't even believe it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Marcelo Salazar, who's working on uh, Metatron now, finishing that up. He did Menzuo, gave us that ridiculous wraparound cover. And he introduced that to me because all of our um, comics are going to have the infinity seven symbol on the back, you know, kind of a thing. Right, right. But when he gave me the wraparound, I was like, we got to go with that, you know, cause mm. we don't have anything like that. So I try to give each one of our comics a little bit of their own identity. 
Um, and even though like, even with uh, Marcelo, he, even though he's the artist in both, Menzuo and Metatron have their own look. When you look at the comics and you read them, you're like, man, this is like, almost like it's two different artists, you know? So big shout out to all those guys uh, putting in work. And um, of course, giving love to Keyshawn for his Menzuo stuff, Daniel, what he's doing with Bark, and uh, Lawrence, what he's doing with Metatron. So all of our authors, our artists, just helping Star Child Comics just jump out on the map and get busy. So we're, we're thankful, man. Definitely, man. And I love the work that you guys are putting in, man. I, I can't wait to see what you guys got going for the future. So from James Grandmaster Facts Boys, Braxton Cosby, Star Child Comics, we are out. Mm -hmm.